Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the B-Side Podcast. For this first month of 2023, we're devoting our weekly episodes to the topics of our Mercy and Justice Month, and specifically our focus on fatherlessness and foster care. Each week, we'll have a special guest join us to discuss our weekly sermon focus, and we'll devote the final minutes of our episode each week to answering any questions from our community. So enjoy our conversation with our guests and sending questions as you have them. We'll now move to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's B-Side episode at Liberty Church. My name is Steve King. Alongside me is Matt Loyan, as always, almost always. Almost. And alongside us, John Paul Mariah Rogers. Welcome to the podcast. We're excited you guys are here. We're excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, Rogers, thanks so much for for taking time to be here with us today. Um, As we have been this whole month, uh, we just finished up yesterday talking about fatherlessness and foster care in our sermon series but on our B-side episodes, having people join us and sharing a lot of their stories and how they've been involved in different aspects of care for vulnerable children. Uh, you guys, as we you got to share a little bit yesterday, um, have had foster kids in your home with you. You've been a foster family for a couple years now. Uh, we're going to get into a bunch of that and even the background behind it, but just maybe by way of introduction, uh, it'd be great to hear from some folks that maybe don't know you guys as well, how you got uh, connected to Liberty Church. Um, I actually went to Grove City. I know there's lots of Grovers out there. There, there um, are many Grove City alum. <laughs> Gro- did yes. you say Grovers? Yes. Yeah. Never heard that. That's, um, a, that's a thing. I mean, I'm not one of them. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, and I came after college, um, was still with living with my parents at the time, um, spent a couple years there, um, met Mariah at Bible study, and Mariah started coming as we were um, dating and engaged uh, before we got married in 2015 16? or 16, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Good, good reminder. Fresher. The, uh, I, there actually just popped up not that long ago, JP, there are pictures that still exist and pop up on Google photo memories for me of, um, when we were in the Lemoyne community room, you're one of the, the pretty small contingent mm. of people at Liberty church that is, has been part of our church through all three of our locations. Most people know the Elks Lodge. At least that was part of our history. A lot of people forget that before the Elks, there was uh, the Lemoyne Community Room. But there's pictures of JP at the Lemoyne Community Room. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, that you're there at the tail end. Okay. Yep. At least those last several months. Yeah, I caught yeah. a few months of it. Yeah, somewhere at the yeah. So anyway, that's great. Well, um, yeah, maybe by by just to jump into this, tell us more about how you began the journey to become foster parents and, and the background of how you are where you are now as a foster family. Yeah. So um, it started with infertility. So after a year of trying to start our family, we, you know, went to the doctor, worked on figuring out what was wrong. They gave us some um, interventions. We started with the most low key intervention and it actually like didn't, it didn't, not only did it not work, it did the opposite of working. Hmm. Um, And the doctor had never seen that response in Hmm. um, from that intervention before. And so it just very quickly became clear that this, likely wasn't the path that God had for us. Um, this was simultaneously at the beginning of COVID. And so we were going on a lot of long walks together. We spent a lot of time praying together about our next steps. And I had st- actually stopped longing for children at that point, hmm. um, which is not like me at all. And so um, 
our prayer became that God would make our hearts long for the children he had for us. Um, Mm. And we very much thought that that meant adoption Mm. and, you know, which country we were going to. We just didn't know which country we would pursue, but we just did not feel a nudge towards that at all. We did not feel comfortable with it. Mm. Um, But then one day foster care popped into my head and that was, it had not even, I had not even allowed myself to think about that because it was Mm. so outside of the realm of what we were willing to do. Um, and I'm pretty sure that for the first couple of days, I didn't even say anything to John Paul because I was actively praying against it. Huh. Um, I didn't want it. I yeah. really didn't want it. Huh. Um, and I didn't want to speak it into existence yeah. by talking about it. But then we did start talking about it. Um, neither of us liked it. Neither of us mm. wanted to do it. Mm. Um, but we just kept praying. I was memorizing Psalm 25 at the time, which starts out, um, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. And so I would just go mm. on solo walks and um, practice those verses. And I often never even got past the, the, that first bit. And I would just have my hands open um, in complete surrender mm. of our future and the future of whatever kids would come into our home. Um, mm. And for a long time, for many, for many weeks, if not a couple of months, the only time we felt peace about foster care was when we prayed about it. Wow. Um, as soon as we stopped praying, it was that fear and yeah. um just worries about everything that it would entail and just not wanting to to have that messiness and hardness in our lives. Hmm. Um, we did not allow ourselves to research for a while because for a couple, several months, because we knew we would talk ourselves out of it hmm. if we did that. Um, and we were very research or research oriented people. So mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable for us. Um, we're also very open. We did not share it with anybody for months because mm-hmm. we just wanted to leave that space for God um, to work in us and work in our hearts. And he, he did. He softened our hearts in a big and miraculous way. Hmm. Um, so then we did start sharing. Um, we did start researching and we stayed, you know, stayed fast to our conviction that this was the the path that we were to take. Then we took action. We um, researched a couple of different agencies to decide which one we wanted. We, we hmm. ended up with the Bear Foundation, which we are so, so thankful for. Um, and then we started the licensing process in um, August or September of 2020, and we finished in December of 2020, which is much faster than most people go. We were just yeah. highly motivated, and we treated it like it was our third job. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, we we like to say that we didn't become foster parents because of infertility. Infertility was just God's way of telling us that we were called to foster care. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's how we got there. Yeah. We got here to this place. <laughs> no, that is – thank you for sharing that, too, because I know that's not – um, that's really vulnerable and honest to be able to, to speak the way you are about infertility and even that that wasn't, you know, this wasn't something we even wanted to do. I was actually praying against it for a while. Like, mm-hmm. but I think that's, that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of honesty that really helps people in the places that they are with wrestling through whether or not God's calling them to this too, is that oftentimes people that are called to this don't automatically start with mm-hmm. that. They don't like start yeah. with this place of, yep, I'm in and I'm, I've known forever that I was going to be a foster parent. I, there might be some people that have that story, but it mm-hmm. seems like a lot of people, it's something that God is is doing and changing in them to, to land them in that place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also something to note real quick is like some people that have just thought, I want to be a foster parent forever, um, may not know the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we're, you know, here, like there's a ton of joy, as we said, and we'll hopefully hit that some um, but there's a ton of hard and, yeah. you know, above and beyond even typical parenting that comes with foster care. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'd love to hear even, even more about that. I think we'll, we'll get a chance to dive mm-hmm. into that in a minute, but uh, it'd be great to hear too. So that, that's a little bit of kind of what led you to it. And even the, the, the process of going through that in the fall and early winter of 2020, um, give us a little bit of a synopsis and overview of these past couple years and what, uh, what foster care has looked like in, in practice. Sure. Um, I guess it was a couple weeks after, um, we got our light, um, light, license which is like the end of the licensing the process um they said hey we have two boys um their foster parents need a weekend off um can you take them so uh we did um it was an interesting thing like there's a lot of things with foster kids in general that mm-hmm. just um like they need light lights on they need sound machines they need all that and they Mm. need it um so that you know that's something um but then in um the middle of february so we had them for a weekend um in the middle of february we had uh two brothers um come to us many of you may know them Mm. um but they were with us from mid-February to the end of September. Mm. Uh, they were eight and two. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I think was notably um, different, they, they were in a previous foster placement. Um, and the thing that we did uh, was try to build a relationship with their mom mm-hmm. and encourage her. Um, she had had 10 years of struggles um, prior to this. So it was not a new um, thing. So mm. she had a lot of steps she had to take, a lot of um, kind of things in her life that she had to overcome and change. Um, mm. But she really like caught fire there and turned the whole thing around, um, which um, happens sometimes, <laughs> doesn't happen other times. Mm. Um, but she worked really hard. Um, it was and, beautiful to yeah, watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she um, earned the right and, you know, accomplished a reunification mm-hmm. um, in se- the end of September mm-hmm. of um, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the goal of foster care, I would say, uh, and what the county hopes is that uh, the relationship between foster parent and biological parent carries on mm. um, because a lot of these parents don't have good support systems, mm. um, but that couldn't wasn't the case mm. um, in that. Mm. Um, our current two kids uh, came in January, and uh, one of the caseworkers... Um, who had seen us with our first two boys kind of said, Hey, you can handle tough kids. I have two very tough kids. Was this Maddie? We, we don't recommend, yeah, we don't recommend making a name for yourself yeah. Yeah. with I the mean, more de- challenging yeah. children. It, it was really, it was really, um, and I'm so glad that she said it last night. We had a, um, a, a church 
gathering for our members, a family meeting last night. And your caseworker is also a member of our church. One of the people that works at Bear, and she, she, she took that moment opportunity just to, mm-hmm. to honor you two and say that that is true. You're at the top of her list. Uh, but it is like, it's, yeah, there's pros and cons to being at the top of that list is like, then you're, you qualify yourself for like the harder, the harder mm-hmm. cases, the harder um, kids. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just spend a minute here. Um, I won't go into full detail, but like, uh, Give and take. We were trying to reach out to the mom and of our first kids. of the first kids, mm. and you know, just trying to keep that relationship alive. And I guess it was November. Mm-hmm. Um, their stepdad called me and mm. said, "We don't trust you. We'll never let the boys be around you," mm. um, which was a tough thing to hear, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Um, but fifteen minutes later literally 15 minutes later as we're still kind of processing that maddie calls and goes i have two kids i can't tell you their names right now which is typical yeah Uh, but they're going to need to be adopted uh functionally can we place with you in Hmm. february Mm -hmm. um Hmm. but you kind of have to tell me whether you're willing to adopt them before you meet them them. Hmm. um wow and wow um long story short they ended up coming in January, the month before that, which was five weeks after we moved into our new house. <laughs> so that, was was Jan- a- that was January 2022. Yeah, so they've been here with us just a little over a year now. Right. right. And we're hopefully only a few months away from adoption. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that it's kind of related. You're, and we're weaving in and out of some of these things, too. But that, one of the things that we've... Uh, called and challenged people to consider this month is whether God is leading them to be foster parents. There's other types of involvement. There's gateway, there's care community. We're going to get to talk about a little bit of all that here toward the end, but what would just be some key need to know things in foster care and foster parenting? Uh, first and foremost, um, the, one of the things we want everyone to know and just have in their mind, if you're considering foster care, um, or really strongly supporting a foster parent is the goal of foster care always has to be reunification Mm -hmm. of those families, Mm -hmm. healing of those families. And the court leans that way until they can't go there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, The law in Pennsylvania is that kids need to be in care for a minimum of 15 out of a 24 month rolling period. um, So they can, potentially go home and come back into care. And we're pretty aware of several situations, you know, with other foster but parents. The, where the that, clock doesn't restart yeah. with that. So yeah. it's, if it's 15 months, um, at some point, if those 15 months or more tick away or a parent does something completely disqualifying, um, the goal can, ch- but it's basically a two year process the yeah. goal can change from reunification to adoption. But that doesn't mean that it will happen at 15 months. It can't be like 15 out of 15. Hmm. Next day, adoption. Okay. It's, it's, it's generally going to be two years. Right. And, and that's, there are times when the courts will say, you know, mom's working really hard. She hasn't arrived yet, but she's working really hard. Yeah. Yes, it's been 24 months, but she's working really hard. And we, we see her getting to case completion, mm-hmm. we're going to stick this out. Yeah. So there, 15 months is not a end not all be all. Fast rule. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, the beautiful and 
tragic, maddening combination of reunification always being the goal. It's like, of course, like we're, we want kids to be able to be with their parents if that's possible. That's a beautiful aim. As you were saying though, JP, cause we've, we've seen this play out. You guys have seen this play out, um, that the court to a fault, even at times will aim for reunification. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we, you want that to be the goal. The court sometimes does that to a fault. And it's mm-hmm. like they, they, they almost, if, if there's even a slight, slight glimmer of hope, they'll like, they'll like punt another three right. or four months or six months down the road. Yeah. When at a certain point, permanency matters. Well, a, yeah. A lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. Kids they, need stability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think an important thing for us to remember, like you said yesterday with, you know, comfortable suburban life mm-hmm. is uh, these families and often the parents of, you know, their parents all are coming from a pretty dark place, generally speaking. Like, yeah. um, if a family in our, you know, community had these issues, I'm sure that they could say, can I, you know, hand off my mm. parent parenting responsibility for a couple months while mm-hmm. I do ABC. Yeah. Um, so you're only reaching foster care and, you know, the social workers being involved when you functionally have no good support network. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's important to be mindful of that as you, you know, do foster that like these parents are not, coming from the same place that most of us are um and you know they need time and support and encouragement uh, to have a chance to Hmm. push back against that yeah um and so that's why you know the two years like Hmm. functionally um so yeah okay um yeah so i want to also say um for those of you um who are don't know anything about foster care um the kids are challenging there's a lot of stuff to do uh Hmm. with them um but there is a sub uh like monetary subsidy Mm -hmm. that you'll get Hmm. at the end of the month um it will generally cover your daily living expenses clothes your food toys taking little you know, uh, day trips or whatever. Um, so it doesn't financially hurt. Hmm. Um, the initial expenses, especially if you don't have kids, um, Hmm. can be more than what that, you know, will cover in the Hmm. beginning because it's not like they give you this big, you know, $2,000 to uh-huh. change your house by by uh, beds and cribs like all right, that kind right. of stuff like or, an entire wardrobe and yeah you know yep. toys that fit the developmental stage of that child yeah. and that they're interested in and right. yep. um so yeah that can surpass that subsidy amount um and that's where i think the church could play a, or people in the church could potentially play a role in like making that fun to potentially help other hmm. people Mm-hmm. Uh, get started if that's not something that they can do on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, there also is potentially uh, you can potentially get free child care through. Um, oh yeah, there's a child care subsidy for yeah. all kids who are in foster care. That's yeah. actually really okay. important to know. Yeah. So yeah. for two working parents, um, you have to apply and it's a pain, but 
um, it com- they completely cover the cost of daycare. Yeah, and, that's great. And, which is significant. Yeah, it's, which huge. Significant. Yeah. it's huge. It's yeah. huge. And, and free and free lunch. Like and free lunch all, for schools. Like yeah. All of all of that stuff. Um, but on the because other, these kids count as a zero income. Right. Yeah. They are their own household. They count as zero income. Yeah. Household. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, though, I n- probably don't need to say this, but don't think that there will be a financial windfall because there's <laughs> sure. because there <laughs> yeah. you know there's not a ton of money uh if you have kids i'm sure that you know that kids can be expensive <laughs> but also um the time the spiritual weight and all of mm. the stuff mm-hmm. uh it's a really bad wage if you're looking for yeah. a yeah. side gig. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Well, see it as a side gig, correct? Well, and it, it's come up in in some other conversations even this month too that um, some of the tragic situations in foster care come when people try to make it a salary when they when they open right. their home to so many kids that um, they aren't actually able to give the care that the kids need. But there's so many needs for placements that sometimes kids still get placed with them and they end up getting the, the, the subsidy for, you know, 10 kids at a time or eight kids at a time in their home. And that's where this, that's where the, the motive piece of why you're doing foster care. Like it, it's, it's really helpful to know that there is a subsidy, but if your motive is because there's some extra, like don't view this as like your side hustle. Like here's yeah. some extra, <laughs> here's some extra money to use. Yeah. It just doesn't work out for anybody in that, right. in that mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. Um, and also one other thing that we would strongly recommend and I'm sure you can talk to us or the, the dumbs or Maddie. Um, it is critical in our opinion that you foster through a Christian agency hmm. um, because the County workers are just overworked, tired, um, sometimes cynical. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, having someone that understands what it is, what understands the spiritual battle as well, um, having an agency, especially a Christian agency, um, is critical. Maddie functionally checks in with us every week. Um, and make sure that we're doing okay as well mm-hmm. as the kids. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you would get from the county. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, so here's, here's maybe something to be helpful to hear you guys speak to as well. So, um, you guys very understandably and rightly, as you're sharing your story, even yesterday, we're saying we, you know, we, we, your home becomes your place for mercy and you are, um, you're pouring yourself out into the lives of your kids and it's wearying, you know, it's tiring. You're, it's, it's exhausting. How would you describe? So I, I could hear maybe some folks in our church who have their own biological kids, let's say at home, uh, young kids. They're also not getting a lot of sleep at night. They're also wrestling with how to, how to discipline kids. There's, there's, there's some overlap there. In other words, between, um, what maybe you would call parenting of your own biological kids, the, the, the kind of difficulty that all parents experience in that sense. Mm-hmm. And then there's foster parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe help us understand some of the difference. There's some overlap there. Like some of, some of the weariness and, and exhaustion mm-hmm. and challenges are overlapping with what would maybe be every, most people's experience with parenting. But then there's certainly an aspect of foster parenting that's really unique. Um, help us maybe understand a little bit about that, that uniqueness. Yeah. So, um, this is something we wrestle with frequently because, um, this is actually one of the reasons we struggle the most to ask for help because Hmm. we're parents just like everyone else and everyone's tired and everyone has these, um, struggles. But so we, I have to remind myself of these things that I'm about to say on a very regular basis. Um, 
But so the first thing, the most tangible thing is that the time, we have time demands that other families just don't have. Hmm. Um, We have caseworker visits. Our kids um, get a caseworker visit every other week Hmm. um, or twice a month. Um, Some case, some kids only see their caseworker once a month, but for for us, it's twice a month. Um, Most foster kids have visitation one to three times a week with Hmm. family members. Um, There's therapies. There's extra doctor visits, especially when um, you get a new placement. They have to be seen by the doctor and the dentist within the first 30 days. Hmm. And that often, just because of where they're coming from and their histories, often leads to multiple specialist referrals. Hmm. Um, So that initial placement especially is just very time intensive. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, you could easily have two to four extra appointments or meetings weekly. Yeah. Um, And then... So then less tangibly, but, you know, all kids, including ours, struggle with the same types of things. There's sibling conflict. They struggle to follow directions. They struggle mm. to handle anger appropriately. They struggle to show kindness. You know, there's there's not a new behavior category with our kids that would mm. shock a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not a different species. <laughs> that's good. That's, a, that's yeah, that's no, it's that's a good feels right. like it, but they're not. They're not. Um, it's the, what's different is the intensity and the frequency Hmm. as well as, um, the necessary proactive parenting, the level of proactive parenting Hmm. that we have to do, um, on our part in order to prevent many of those behaviors and escalations from happening to begin with, Hmm. um, which we'll get a little bit more into that in a minute, but, um, no, there's just, there's less space for messing up. Um, there's less, there's not less grace from God, praise the Lord, but there is less grace on the ground. Um, from the kids, from the kids. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I'll, I'll take over there and, uh, take, give the example. Um, so we understand all parents lose their cool at times. Um, Sure. Steve Ever. Steve I mean, not me. <laughs> For all of our listeners at home, I'd like to prop myself up as a in my own special category. Some have called me a different species. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, one time, I lost my cool and shouted, "Shut up!" Mm-hmm. at our kids. Um, mm-hmm. That I'm sure you know. Not recommending that as a good parenting tactic <laughs> in any means, but. Uh, they proceeded to literally scream their heads off, try to hurt me, huh. each other, hmm. and sob for 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, when I, you know, I took a minute to calm down, especially when they were crying, though. But I, when I tried to comfort them, they would try to hurt me or shrink away from me and just run away from me, yeah. um, which I don't think is what, you know, would happen five minutes later if, you know, another parent did that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something. I, and then it didn't accomplish what I wanted. It didn't really, when we were done with that, it just kind of went back to where it was before. Sure. Um, and, you know, not something that I want to repeat, but that's like something that I can't repeat. Hmm. You know, maybe it would be different several yeah. months later. But it's still just like that sent them to a dark place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kids in foster care are just more prone to button pushing than the average kid, hmm. um, which makes sense when you step back and think about it because they have, they're not with people they were meant to be with. Hmm. Um, they're not trying to <clears throat> love you, at least all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their behaviors um, 
including in the above scenario, are just more constant, more targeted, hmm. and intent on breaking and damaging the connection between parent and child. Mm -hmm. um, again, that may happen with other kids, but it's just pretty con constant. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we need to be even keeled and like very intentional in our parenting mm -hmm. so that um, those don't happen daily. Yeah. <laughs> and because we don't have the benefit of a secure attachment that was established from birth. Yeah. And so we have to be extremely mindful of um, nurturing that attachment mm -hmm. relationship. And um, yeah, that's just where the less grace comes in. There's there. They don't have secure trusting relationships with, I mean, we're working towards that. We're always working towards that. But as soon as you break connection by messing up and yelling, um, or just losing your cool, they, that immediately brings them back to, I'm not safe. I don't feel yeah. safe. Even though they maybe they are physically safe. They yeah. don't mm -hmm. feel safe. Yeah. And so it yeah. just, it ruptures everything. Yeah. And it just takes them a long, long time to come back from that Yeah, versus being able to go to your child, scoop them up and be like, I'm so sorry. Mommy should not have gotten angry like that. Yeah. I, I should have taken deep breaths. Um, they yeah. can't hear that yeah, because they're just scared in that moment. And that's, so it's not just a product of when they're a newer placement in your home. There's of course the, the time factor where you, you, you guys are, are a variable to them because they don't know how you're going to respond. Mm -hmm. There's that piece of it that just takes time to build. Like, Hey, I, I've seen, you know, I've seen dad lose his cool before and it, it but it, it's going to be okay. Like he mm -hmm. calms down, he, he apologizes. We're fine. There's that piece of it. But then, you're saying even like, and there's been a lot of research done in recent decades about attachment. There's things that, that because of what the kids have experienced, um, there's trauma, there's attachment, um, issues there that just, that have them, uh, hardwired in a different way than, than, than kids that grow up in the safety and security of a biological, of their mm -hmm. biological home. Yeah. And that's what, that's what, that's another big piece of, I mean, there's, um, there's the time piece that you were talking about here, but there's also, you have to delve into a world of psychology and behavioral study that the, that the average parent never does and mm -hmm. learning about things like attachment disorder and learning things like trauma informed parenting, mm -hmm. things like that. That's I a huge literally difference. always have a book going on okay. trauma informed parenting yeah. Um, yeah. or at least something tied to it. And that actually leads in perfectly to the next well, thing we want to talk about. And, um, and I would say then, just to people considering being a foster parent, if you're not willing to learn that and learn how to do it differently, I would caution that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like you were saying that when a child experiences trauma, especially especially early trauma, um, mm -hmm. and that's actually a misconception that, you know, the younger they are, the better off they are. But hmm. that, that's actually not true at all. The younger you experience trauma, the more it impacts your huh. brain. Um but these kids' brains are literally wired differently. Yeah. Um, their fight, flight, freeze response kicks in much more quickly and is harder for them to overcome. Hmm. They have trauma triggers that lead to meltdowns or behaviors that are entirely outside of their control. Hmm. You know, this is not a screaming for a box of yummy cereal in the grocery store aisle. Like that's, that is hard. That is its own kind of hard. Sure. Um, but this is not that. It mm -hmm. is, it is a different, our kids go to another place huh. when they're in a trauma response. And um, we actually, one thing that has helped us mindset wise in those moments is like when our kids get to that point where they are in another place, we just, we're on the roller coaster. We, mm. we will offer tools and strategies. Um, but until their brain is ready to come back, 
they're not coming back to us. Hmm. And so we just ride it out. We let them rage. We let them hmm. destroy what, hmm. you know, in a safe way. We, we yeah. have them in a protective environment. Um, and then, yeah, we just keep offering connection, keep offering tools. And then eventually they will accept when hmm. they're, when they're ready. Um, and, and just to illustrate that, um, it's true of our kids. It's true generally of trauma. If you get to that different place, and it's true of our kids as well, they do not remember what just yeah. happened. Yeah, it we'll, can be five minutes or three hours that they just have no memory of, and they're like, uh, I'm hungry. And so yeah. you're, you have to then turn around and be like, yeah. here's a snack. They're, they're yeah. not going to apologize to you for ripping a chunk of your hair out. Yeah. No. Not, I also, not that that's ever happened to you. That, that's, oh, that's, no, that's, yeah. ne- never. It's never happened to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, only yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah. But um, also, I do want to say that one of the things we wrestled with with preparing for this was, you know, being honest about the experiences, but also not scaring people away. Yeah. And so I do want to say our kids are more challenging than the majority of kids who are in foster care. Hmm. There are kids who are as challenging as ours. Ours are not like the most challenging in the world. However, yeah. they are a higher tier of need than other kids. Cause like we said, they figured us out and they said, you guys, <laughs> they we nailed think you guys us. by the grace of God can, can handle um, that. Yeah. So we say these things and these things can be true for all foster kids. Um, but it doesn't mean it's, it's not always to this level. Mm-hmm. It's not always this intensity. It's not always to the same frequency that it is in our home. So we're trying mm-hmm. to like balance that of like giving you a sense of what it's like, but also um, being true to the experience. That mm-hmm. that being said, um, just to get back on track, I would say that all the things we're about to say in the next couple minutes are kind of musts. Yes. Like so we these... simplified it down to the musts. Yeah. So of... just. I'll just kind of rapid fire go through some some parenting um, tools that we use. Um, I'll just say traditional methods flat out don't work. Timeouts, spanking, not even allowed. Hmm. But even if it were, Mm -hmm. would not work. Hmm. Um, Sending to their their kids to their room in isolation, expecting older kids to regulate themselves. They don't work. Mm -hmm. Um, What does work is connection before correction. So, you know, Hmm. um, getting down on their level, seeing them, talking to them. And sometimes that means cuddling with them before figuring out a consequence for mm-hmm. what just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we use time out rather than, sorry, we use time in versus time out. Yeah. Um, so rather than sending our child away from us, we say, you know, you're going to stick with us. You're going mm-hmm. to hold my hand. I'm cooking dinner right now. So now instead of playing, you're going to hold my hand mm-hmm. um, and cook with me. Mm-hmm. And so that just kind of helps reset them. But it also doesn't, um, it communicates to them. It was not okay that you just pushed. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not going to let you be in that space right now because that was not an okay choice. But it also is not saying you did something wrong. You need to go away from me. Yeah. Like I can't see you right now. Yeah. Um, Keeps that connection piece very central. Very, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, prioritizing <clears throat> behaviors is a big thing. We cannot correct every behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried for a little while. It <laughs> went horribly. We burnt out really fast. Um, it actually was like only a couple months ago. We just kind of slipped into it of just, mm-hmm. you know, you just – get into your routine and you start to increase your expectations, but then they weren't meeting them. And so we were just consequencing mm. all the time. And I met with another foster mom and she was like, you need to, you need to dial back. Like this is not mm. healthy for anyone. Um, pick your main things. What yeah. are the main things you want to focus on the rest of it? Mm. You don't just let it slide, but rather than consequencing it, 
you come alongside them, you intervene proactively, which is this is where that piece of parenting comes in that's just so wearisome. Mm. We can never be off. We can never, you mm. know, um, we're functionally parenting um, toddlers, mm. even though they're not both. In fact, one's a preschooler, one's a kindergartner. Mm. Um, we're functionally parenting in that parenting stage of toddlers, and we will be for a very, very, very long mm. time um, mm. where you just have to have that close proximity, very close eye on everything that's yeah. happening. Um, yeah. So also we start with the try to start with the least intense response possible. So when we're trying to, when there's a behavior that we're not going to consequence, but we don't want it to continue, we try to use playfulness first. When that doesn't work, then um, maybe we try redirection. When that doesn't Mm -hmm. work, then, you know, we just go up the tiers rather than saying, stop doing that right away. Like Mm -hmm. that's not going to work. We, that will just escalate them, Mm -hmm. um, which just makes everything harder. Yeah. So yeah, like I've said, tons of redirection. Um, yeah. And, and I think actually one of the most wearisome parts of foster parenting is that um, there is constant problem solving. Huh. You are never done problem solving. And huh. I, I think that is true of parenting. Um, it just feels higher stakes. Hmm. Um, you know, we are, and, and because we can't parent in the traditional way, we can't go to just anybody to ask for advice. And hmm. so, I can't tell you how many um, meetings, in quotes, meetings we've had post-bedtime. I'm just like, hey, like, I'm at the end of my rope with this behavior. Like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Um, what is the most trauma-informed way to handle it? And then when that doesn't work for the next week and you're even more exhausted because it didn't work, yeah. you have to revisit it. And it's just constant yeah. um, reevaluating and behaviors are constantly changing. And I, I do think that that's probably – we've never parented biological children. I think that's – there's, I think that's probably true the, biology, the, but the kids are dynamic. Certainly mm-hmm. like the kids mm-hmm. are changing and trying to figure out the appropriate consequence mm-hmm. in a moment. That's, that's certainly there, but you're not, there's not that because there's established connections that go back mm-hmm. and not the hardwiring brain differences that's playing out in the kids. There's a lot of that, um, even physiologically, but then also experientially, mm-hmm. there's just so much that the kids have experienced of you to say, like, like you, you are able to um miss probably more often and do the forgiveness and reconciliation thing without it be, that's yeah. that's possible number yeah. one and it mm-hmm. doesn't take near as long yeah. even if it is possible I, in foster kids and yeah. I, again i think it's you know probably frequency i'm sure that both of you have you know had a, a night where after the kids go to bed you're just like all right we need to deal with this sure you know let's talk about it yeah i think it's a question of frequency mm-hmm. for us where mm-hmm. you know there was until pretty recently, maybe even now, you know, there's one or two times a week where we're just burning half an hour to an hour, like brainstorming and problem yep. solving. And yep. I think that would be true even if you didn't have our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if they weren't our level of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This is really helpful, guys. Maybe as we kind of kind of draw this um, toward a close, we, uh, we talked about the sermon yesterday. Um, kind of the, the, the playful title of it was like the right way to wreck your life. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, when we were planning the series out, um, we kind of had mapped out a few of the weeks and what we were going to be talking about, including that that one. And I sent you guys the the kind of list of, hey, here's where we're going in January. And that last one's going to be called the right way to wreck your life. I don't remember your exact response, but you're, it was like, you were it was something like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's, 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 that's yeah. <laughs> so, so you say it was playful. I can't tell you how many nights I laid in bed and I just was... Like it, I was deeply emotional hmm. seeing that, huh. that title because huh. I, it could not be more true. Huh. Um, 
And I contemplated many nights, some nights full of resentment and bitterness yeah. for all the ways that our life has been wrecked. Yeah. Um, yep. But ultimately also so many nights just overcome truly to the point of tears with gratitude for this huh. life and for these kids. And hmm. um, just that God did move in our hearts um, over two years ago now and, and moved us to this in a way that we never could have done ourselves. Hmm. Um, Cause we, you know, we've had the great joy of watching all four of our kids um, grow, develop yeah. a sense of felt safety with us hmm. um, and start to form healthy and secure attachments, which mm-hmm. is, there is no, there are no words. It literally, like, it's, yeah. a, it's just a heart feeling. Like there is, there are no mm. words to convey what that is like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, our life has been wrecked, completely huh. wrecked. Huh. Um, the, the one that, um, wasn't true until we reunified, but once we re, the kids reunified, mm. um, could never not be true is that our family will never feel whole. Um, mm. We will always miss them. We will always long for their presence. Even though we are so delighted that they are with their mom and that they are happy and healthy, we hope, we pray. Um, Our table will never feel full again. You have you have kids that because it actually went the way it was supposed to Mm -hmm. are not in your home Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Uh, Which yeah yeah yeah. Um, We also wrecked our lives, but you know, we always have to carry the weight of our kids' stories and not just our current mm. kids. We will always carry our first kids' stories. We will carry every respite mm. kiddos' stories. Mm. Um, and we aren't privy to every piece of every story, but, but we get pieces of each one and yeah. it's, it is heavy. Yeah. Um, it's very, very heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had to adapt our vision for our kids' futures. They mm. aren't typical kids. Mm. They, um, and this kind of goes into the next one too. You know, we've had to accept that the statistical odds are stacked against them and what that could mean for our future as their parents. So like we have the weight of the grief of what may never be for them huh. and what may never be for us. Sure. We may never have the joy of, um, of a whole family on a Christmas morning with grandkids huh. surrounding us. And, hmm. um, we might, yeah. we might, and we yeah. pray for that, yeah. but, um, <laughs> there, the statistics are not good for yeah. our kids, even yeah. even with them being in a safe and secure home for as long as they will be. It's still not good. Still, still um, happens, yeah. It's going to take miracles. Mm. It's going to take God's hand in their lives to to do big things, mm. um, to work against those those mm. odds. Mm. So there's there's a lot of just pre grief in that and just acceptance mm. of that, while also hoping mm. in a different outcome. Yeah. To, yeah. to put it kind of. A little more concretely, um, just like I'll, I know there are plenty of families where it may be the unspoken expectation that like you go to college, you get a bachelor's degree at minimum. Mm-hmm. And like that is not even broader than our current kids. It's not that's not the goal. That should not be the goal mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. It sh- should be. Are they safe? Are they happy? Mm-hmm. And um can they, can they function, function as adults as in a society. healthy in a healthy way? Um, yeah, and like, there's really a fifty fifty shot that that happens. Hmm. Um, and we have to, you know, even while they're barely school age, mm-hmm. um, kind of rationalize that and get that, you know, in our expectation, so that we can do the best we can to mm-hmm. get them to where they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last way I would say that our lives have been wrecked is just that, you know, we're, and wrecked is a, feels like a strong term for this one, but, um, we're going to spend a ton of time advocating, searching for solutions to 
impossibly complex struggles. Mm. Um, anticipating and preparing for our kids' unique needs in a pl- plethora of unique contexts more than we ever imagined. Mm. Um, mm. Right now, we have our kids in multiple different types of therapies. And it it really feels like, okay, we have to tease out which part of them is going to is needs to be addressed with this therapy, which mm-hmm. part of them needs to be addressed with this therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's so convoluted and complex. Mm-hmm. There's just so many, there's trauma, there's brain chemistry differences that they were perhaps born with due to, mm-hmm. you know, other things that have happened in their lives, sure. um, in their young, young lives. Um, there is um, just genetic predispositions that they yeah. may have. Um, there's just, there's a lot that mm-hmm. you have to tease through. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, there was one day this fall when something had happened um, at school for the older kiddo. And um, I was just struck by the fact that we had, it, I was just struck by the fact that it didn't feel like there was any good place mm-hmm. for education to happen for mm-hmm. this child. And um, I was just struck by the fact that this is, this is kindergarten. Yeah. Like we are one year into sure. probably two years of kindergarten. Sure. So we're looking at 14 years of school here. Yeah. Um, and it just the weight of that of, wow, like I'm going to be pushing and pushing and pushing for 14 years and still probably not get what I know he needs. Sure. Um, I, mean, I mean, and we, again, have yeah. to even hope that he makes it through 14 <laughs> through years. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. we we do it anyway because because um, out of the wreckage comes God's glorious and miraculous and redemptive work. And we mm-hmm. have... We get a front row seat to that. Yeah. And it is the biggest gift. I, like I said earlier, like with being able to watch them grow in their sense of felt safety and attachment, there's just, it's this heart feeling. Like I, I huh. cannot convey how beautiful it mm. is um, to mm. be in the front row seat to it and to, to be able to share with others how God is working in yeah. their lives and in our lives. And yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's yeah, that is um, beautiful, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really really appreciate how you guys are talking through that because what you do what you're doing is really a, this incredible picture of the gospel um, that that you're paying you're you're willing to pay the costly sacrifice that it is to give these kids the best life they they could have right now. The most, days. They could have. Most, most days, most days we're willing. Yeah. Most days, yeah. <laughs> right. most, some some days it's straight up discipline. It's just straight up like I know I have to do this today. Or but, Disney movies. Or Disney yeah. movies. <laughs> or Disney movies. <laughs> but thank you guys because that's there's there's something that's really tan- it's it's made tangible by your willingness to do that and even to do that with us like in <clears> this <throat> church community in this church family to let us see how you're doing that. And I hope even that's part of what happened this month is that, mm-hmm. you know, even you guys being up there yesterday and people, many of you already knowing that this is part of your lives and part of your story, but if people didn't, they're getting a, a tangible display in front of them through watching you wreck your lives, you know, and, and, and wrestle through this of, uh, of not only here's some of the cost even and, and the kind of love that God has for us and what he's willing to do to pay a sacrificial cost for us. Mm-hmm. But here's also the beauty that comes out of it on the other side. Here's why it's worth it. So I, so I just, you know, want to say for me, for Steve, you know, our other leaders here, just on behalf of them, like, thank you for the way that you're embodying such a beautiful picture of our own salvation in, in Christ mm-hmm. uh, and the gospel just through, through your lives and example. Um, it really is a gift to our community and, and God willing, you know, through even what we've been talking about this month, we're going to 
have more more people doing that together. Yeah. We're going to have a community that continues to, to come together. Yeah. I mean, that's been the heart of this month for our church, as many listeners and you all have seen, for us to bring to the front of our minds, of our attention, how we can care for uh, the least of these among us, and specifically uh, those who are without fathers, without families, mm-hmm. and are in these systems that are ready to be received into families. Um, whether that's foster care or adoption, safe families. We've heard about some of these organizations throughout. And this year, Matt, you've mentioned at different times, this will be a focus of our church throughout the year, mm-hmm. um, how we can be supporting uh, these children, but also supporting families that are serving and loving these children. I, I, Mariah, I think you said it even earlier in this conversation, this always maybe gets said, and it's been said many, many times throughout the month, not everyone is called to exactly the same thing mm-hmm. when it comes to caring for uh, those we have in mind. So not everyone is called to be a foster care parent. Not everyone is called to adopt. Um, not everyone is called to be part of safe families or serve at the Bear Foundation or Capoeira Pregnancy Center. But for those that are um, be, feeling called to support a family like yours, mm-hmm. what are the ways that families can come alongside you all to support you and care for you? Um, I think these first two, we really are trying to... Um, two things that I'm going to say is like, we're really trying to cover what I think almost anyone can do. Um, like I said, there's lots of appointments, court dates, um, and just some really hard days that we have. Um, so having a meal, um, Mm. that, you know, could just be dropped off or even having somebody who has a freezer meal to say, and that we could text or say, could you bring a meal at five o'clock um, would be helpful um, in a lot of ways, you know, with all those things, foster families and more than just ours just kind of look like the people that just had a, you know, life event um, mm-hmm. on a ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so meals, uh, the second one that we thought of is babysitting, not maybe not for everybody, mm. um, but like, even the lower key, uh, we've actually asked some friends to come over for like two hours and mm-hmm. we'll go upstairs and either relax or do paperwork or something. Um, that way, if there's an SOS, they can summon us. They right. Still, yes. right. Yeah. right. The question is, is paperwork relaxing for you? Do you enjoy no. it? Okay. No. Well, it needs to be done. But I'd rather do yes. it then than after bedtime. Right. Like, that's, that's the thing. Because of the energy output, like, I don't know how many of you have and I know I don't want to dismiss other parents, you know, experience as well. But like, if you've ever worked a twelve-hour a day or a thirteen-hour a day, that's kind of often what we feel like mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it doesn't matter that the thirteen-hour day is over at seven thirty p.m. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we just want to just like do nothing, and so having that couple hours, um, you know, during the evening, sure, would be useful. Yeah. Um, date nights maybe a little longer than two hours um maybe a day you know 10 a.m to 6 p.m any of Mm -hmm. those would be useful um and here's where we get into for those who are equipped have kids like our kids love playing with kids Mm. they do a lot better in the presence of other kids right Mm -hmm. um uh a big ask would be um if you could maybe do an occasional overnight with our kids. Um, that would be 
a big ask. We can talk more <laughs> offline, um, <laughs> but it would be an incredible gift for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking to actually do that this weekend. Um, we've only had one weekend <sighs> off for the last, you know, yeah, two year. Years. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, and also like if you're considering foster care, this would be a way without going through the paperwork mm-hmm. to get the hands on and just see our kids, what our typical kid, our, our kids typically do now is probably more along the average of what you'd have. Especially in a novel yeah, situation where with new fun. people, they do better. Initially, because yeah. there's it's a honeymoon period, yep. and so yep. like they it would give them a general sense of what a typical foster kid, le- yeah. less intense foster yeah. child would be like. But yeah. a great a great entry point for mm-hmm. sure, and right. such yeah. a gift to us. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's helpful. Um, another thing that like would be useful um, is yard care. Um, while it's not overwhelming for us, for me, and sometimes relaxing to just go mow the yard for It's a lot thir- quieter to mow minutes. than it is yeah. to be inside. Right. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, once or twice a year, like, yard work day, like, the go outside for four hours is pretty beyond our capacity right now. Mm-hmm. Because if I went and did that for four hours, then Mariah's inside with them for four hours, and then she's pretty, um in the negative energy mm-hmm. level uh-huh. uh, when, you know, her margin is gone when I come back in from four hours of yard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that one time. It didn't go very well. Um, <laughs> By experience. That's yeah. say, don't, Tried that, 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 not recommended. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's kind of us. I think most of those would probably carry over to any other foster families. Um, we would love, you know, our, our desire is for these teams to be built up. Even if you're not called to foster, like be foster parents, Hmm. um, we'd love to see these teams built up, even as families are now potentially beginning the licensing process. Yeah, Hmm. Cindy King said something that really struck me uh, during a meeting, um, that she, they like to start the care teams for a family as they're beginning the licensing process. Hmm. Because even though they don't need the help then, um, it gets them used to accepting help, which uh, as mm. people who really, really struggle to feel like we should accept it because we can, we can cook our meals. We can do our yard work. We can watch our kids 24 sure. seven. We are capable of that, yeah. but our margins diminish and then we don't parent as well. And then our kids suffer for it mm-hmm. and we suffer for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's less grace. And so our margins disappear faster. Mm, And so we just need help to maintain those margins so that we can give to them what they need. And also we're deeply involved in the foster care world. Like we Mm. do respite for other kids. We, like Maddie mentioned yesterday, we um, helped out a kinship family, very spur of the moment. And it was, we love doing it, but that still takes away some margin, but mm-hmm. we have yeah. access to doing that because we're foster parents. So someone else who isn't a foster parent doesn't have access to doing those things, mm-hmm. but they can support us in doing those things yeah. using our margins for even other kids, even if they're not in our home all the time um, by being on a care team. Yeah. So we selfishly <laughs> want to see care teams built up. Um, and yeah. yeah. Um, Cindy King is coming back. I think we've announced yeah. it, but Cindy King is coming back. 
on February 19th Mm -hmm. for the Lunch and Learn. Um, And it's not necessarily a pitch to become a foster parent so much as care, build, be in that care team. Yeah. Um, And so our hope and prayer for Liberty. We didn't run this by you guys, but yeah, this, is, our, this is just our hope and prayer. Our, our hope and prayer for Liberty is that God is going to raise up four more um, foster families mm-hmm. um, for a total of five with us. Yeah. Um, but that would also mean that we'd have to have functionally t- probably 25 families supporting those five families yeah. uh, so that we don't have burnout. So we don't have yeah. um, failure. There's been churches who have put out, strong calls and you know rally the troops and then they'll have an 80 percent burnout rate yeah and i Mm -hmm. that's worse that to me is uh, that to us is worse than because then that means placements are being disrupted and that's more trauma Yeah. yeah um so yeah just to kind of wrap it up i just wanted to say like we're really passionate about both foster care and hospitality so if anyone wants to learn more about the nitty gritty um we could talk about this for hours, like literally hours. Um, we love to host people for dinner and um, we can always do a deep dive after our, our kids are asleep. That's something we're always ready and willing to do. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you guys. That's yeah. I yeah. appreciate that. You mentioned John Paul, great next steps. I mean, and even your invitation there is, is really helpful. So, so take John Paul and Mariah up on their invitation to talk to them more about it. Uh, to come into their home, even if that's helpful for you to see what life looks like there and then, and then get to debrief that. But, um, Anthony yesterday shared a bunch of uh, specific next steps. There was an insert in, in our bulletins. That stuff's all on our website as well. The, the couple upcoming things to keep in mind, John Paul, you just mentioned February 19th. Cindy King will be here for a lunch and learn at 1215, uh, after the 1030 service that day. So register for that. That's live right now. Uh, on our website, there's links to Gateway. We can sign up to meet needs as they come available across the across Cumberland County. Um, there's safe families information on there, and then through the Bear Foundation, opportunities to begin the process of exploring uh, and and <clears throat> being um, certified as a foster parent. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're looking forward to continuing to talk to lots of folks about this. Uh, having Cindy here, looking forward to Easter outreach, getting to bless foster adoptive families in April here at the Block Party. Um, but John Paul Mariah, thank you guys for your time. Thanks for just your your vulnerability and just your your open your your open book yeah. uh, way of talking through of talking through life uh, as foster parents. Really appreciate that. Thanks yeah. for having us and letting us yeah. ramble on about it because literally we could have talked for hours. No, this is this is really I mean it's really helpful. And, and I really do want to say like we truly are open um, with more information than this. There's a lot more details that we can share, not on a published thing. Sure, um, yes. and. Um, yeah, like if you, not to be too presumptuous, but if somebody wants to learn more, here's my proposal. You bring us a main course to our house. We break bread. You see our kids, our kids, maybe play with your kids. Um, and then we can talk. Um, and like that is a blessing to us and just allows us to share our heart, um, you know, in a longer format mm-hmm. yeah that's great a lot of great information on this this podcast this episode almost feeling like it's any ending would be an abrupt end to such great information being shared and, and such depth of a story so uh thank you all for listening and uh take uh john paul mariah up on on the offer to learn more however is best for you to learn more um, this has been a great month and we'll continue to talk about 
Um, you know, th- these areas of mercy and justice that we've been focusing on, it'll continue to be a part of our, our, our work week in and week out here at Liberty throughout the year. So thank you for listening today. Um, we look forward to seeing you at worship next Sunday. Enjoy the rest of the week, everyone. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.